welcome everybody to this week's episode. We really appreciate you joining us. This podcast really shows us how we can all learn, live, and thrive off of each other. By sharing our knowledge through our conversations, we will impart some knowledge whilst learning ourselves how to progress even further. Here is your host. And welcome to Keep It At Teal, LaFosse's podcast. I am Kelly Knight. I'm hosting the podcast today. And today we're going to be talking with Mark Medina. At Metro Centers for Community Advocacy, this is one of our member centers of LaFosse. But we're talking to him because we want to address domestic violence this month since October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And we want to talk about something that sometimes slips through the cracks. Um, sometimes we don't think about how pets are involved in situations of domestic violence. And this happens when, when um, someone is in a dangerous environment and they want to leave, but their pet is either in danger as well and they're afraid to leave because they don't want to leave their pet. They don't want to leave their pet in a situation where they might be abused or even killed. And unfortunately, a lot of stats show that someone that is capable of abusing a person is capable of abusing a pet and to the point of killing the pet. So it's a, it's a very real possibility and it makes the uh, situation that much more tragic. So that's why we have Mark here who's going to tell us about Metro and how Metro has taken up that cause. So at Metro Centers for Community Advocacy where I work um, there are a couple of options. First we actually got our building rated so that we could have uh, a limited amount of pets at our shelter. So depending on the type of animal and how socialized they are and of course their size, we can actually bring um, survivors of domestic violence to our shelter and um, have them bring their pets. Uh, we've had small dogs. We've actually had larger dogs also. We've had cats. We've had kittens. Um, we've had like a uh, like a, a small like lizard dragon type thing. Uh-huh. Um, we've had various animals, uh, so we keep a couple of small kennels, uh, and then we also get some donated uh, pet food, you know, kitty litter, those type of things. Um, and if the survivor doesn't have you know some of the supplies, then we're happy to um, to bring some of those and, and supply those. Uh, so that's one option. Um, and that's, of course, the best option, um, if at all possible, because we, you know, we want to make sure that the, that the survivor, um, you know, doesn't have to be separated from their animal, because that just deepens the trauma they're already going through. Absolutely. Um, so the other thing that we can do, if for some reason the animal or animals can't come to us, because maybe there are too many, or maybe the animal isn't socialized, like a, a certain types of dogs that maybe might pose a, a danger to our other residents right. um, or to our staff. Right. Uh, then what we do is we'll get in contact
contact with um, local uh, animal advocacy agencies and look into temporary foster situations. So what we'll do is we'll see if somewhere like Zeus's Place uh, or the ASPCA, um, there are a couple of other agencies um, have availability um, and can house those pets temporarily with the understanding that once the domestic violence survivor gets on their feet, um, that they're going to, you know, re, uh, rehome that animal with them. Okay, um, good. And, and that actually, yeah, that actually works. So they actually do have programs where that's available. So temporary foster is the other, but um, our, our primary is if at all possible, we like to be able to let the, um, the, the survivor bring their animal with them to our shelter. And what kind of process do y'all use to, to assess the situation with the pet, you know, to that, because I mean, I understand how that goes with, um, some people feel like their, their pets are not a danger or may not cause a problem for other people, but then you get them into a different environment and that's, that is different for the pet and they might act a completely different way at the shelter than they would at their own home. Sure. So a couple of things that we do, Kelly, is first, um, for safety of any other pets that may be around and our staff and our residents, we um, verify that the pets are up to date on all their shots, their vaccinations, like rabies, um, that type of thing, to make sure that they're safe, just like a child going to school would need to present their immunization record before they're allowed to go to school, right? Um, And so once we've done that, then, you know, we can, if the person says that their animal is socialized, that they're fine, and we bring them in, um, if it seems like immediately that they're not, like they won't stop barking or lunging at people, um, then we have to talk about um, the temporary foster. So there's no real way for us to, you know, assess prior to bringing the animal there. So we'll, we'll bring that animal and typically, if it's if it's an animal that's not going to be able to stay in our in our shelter, it's usually going to be a dog that's going to either be dangerous or overly disruptive. Right. Um, and then at that point, we you know offer the the client that you, you can either work with us to temporarily rehome your pet, or um, you know you you can decline to be in our shelter. Uh, so we also, of course, encourage them, if at all possible, uh, you know, if their animal's difficult and, and won't work at our shelter, to find a friend or a family member that will, will hold on to them. That's, of course, the first option. Um, but then other than that, like I said, we'll work as hard as we can to find a temporary uh, situation you know, for that animal so that the resident can then get their animal back after they stay with us. Right. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's so tough because... Um, unfortunately, I think that I'm doing this blog that I'm writing and I've found that it's as much as, uh, half of the people that want to escape refuse to escape because they don't want to, uh, to leave their pets behind. So I guess it's, it's great that y'all are addressing that, that situation. Yeah, and that's the reason why we did it because we understand that, um, and we want to remove at Metro. We, you know, we have a mantra of removing as many barriers as possible to people getting the assistance they need to get to where they need to be. 
Um, and we know that one of those barriers is, you know, the thought of leaving behind a, a pet or um, their children. Uh, or like, so we try to make sure that we make the transition as easy as possible with the number one goal is the safety of the client. And then number two is, you know, making sure that we've made as many accommodations for them um, so that they can, you know, move forward. Right, right. And keeping in mind that, like you said, the, the safety of other residents that are being uh, housed so that because there are people that are have legitimate fears of animals and so you don't want to make it to a situation where they feel like you know like they might be in a have moved to another bad situation right so so you got to right. make sure everybody feels safe yes and so when we have cases uh like we have cats or dogs, what we don't want is we don't want that animal to just be, you know, roaming in our communal housing and whatnot. So like for cats, we have, you know, and I, uh, I don't like to use the term cages, but, you know, we have yeah. like kennels. kennels and right. Same thing with dogs. And then we have a little backyard area so that the owner can, you know, can, can walk and, and relieve their animal oh, great. Uh, and whatnot. But, um, but right, we do want to take into consideration everybody's um, physical and you know emotional psychological safety right uh, so if there is a resident who may be afraid of dogs or or afraid of cats you know so um then then like i said we make sure that that if we allow someone to bring a pet that that pet is, is segregated uh from the general population but um is, is there also accommodations so that the owner can take care of the pet and, and the pet is comfortable too because we want that you know, we're not um, we're not putting a, a, a cat in a cage in our in our storage, you know, um, closet or something like that. Right. Uh, yeah. And no. We try to make sure that the, that the pet is comfortable, and it's kind of fun because the staff will. Then, if, if the owner's okay with it, the staff will you know interact with the pets and um, and and try to make sure it's as as you know um, as non traumatic of an event for the pet. Right. So. Right. Yeah, I mean, and if y'all have kennels, you know, you know, like little mobile kennels, that's what a lot of veterinarians use for boarding. So it's not any right. different from a boarding situation for a pet. Yeah, and we'll put in little blankets or pillows, and, and we'll get toys, yeah. uh, and uh, you know, so we we really try to make sure that it's you know a comfortable situation. But of course, we're not a we're not a pet boarding facility, so there's only so much we can do. Right. Um, but we really do try to do everything that we are, you know, um, legally with the city of Jefferson, where we're in, right? Right. And Jefferson Parish, um, with you know whatever codes we have to abide by, um, and then you know our budget constraints. We try to do everything we can within our given limitations to um, make it as as you know comfortable and accessible for both the owner and for the pet. Right. That's awesome. And, you know, I was, this, when we're talking, I started thinking about um, past experiences. And, you know, it might be difficult for some people to actually get their pets physically from their house to the shelter. But um, we, you know, because some people might not be able to afford a kennel or, you know, most people have a lead. They can make a lead or, or a leash for their dog pretty easily. But, um, you know, we used to tell people 
with cats and small dogs that if even if they didn't have a kennel to try try to use a pillowcase because a pillowcase actually is somewhat um, comforting uh, to a cat or a small dog because it it you know it it kind of gives that you know like like swaddling a baby it gives that same sensation to a pet yeah I actually have um, an older cat myself Uh, she's 18 years old with three legs and (laughs) instead of bringing her to the vet in a kennel I actually put her in a beach tote you know like like one of those canvas type beach totes you know um, and uh, and she likes it in there so um, you know, people, like I said, they may not have a crate, like you said, or a kennel around their house, but they may have, um, you know, like I said, a, a, a beach toad or, or uh, you know, one of the larger, like, reusable grocery bags or something like that that they can then bring, like, a, a, a small to medium-sized cat in. Right. Or small dogs. Yeah, so um, that, you know, that's always helpful to more information that we can get out to people you know, to so the more likely they are to to think that those barriers are being taken down, that they can actually get from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I said that's what that's what people in our business are all about is once again removing barriers to safety and removing barriers to progress and removing barriers to getting to people's best self. Right. That's awesome. That's 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 what Metro is about. <laughs> Yes. Well, of course, that and, and breaking the cycle of violence, right? Well, exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but we could have, like, a, a huge podcast about that. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Um, but, but I'm glad that you're covering this because it's important and it's something that a lot of people don't think about, um, you know, when they, when they think about people who you know, they'd like to get out of their situation. They have a friend or a family member and they desperately wish that they would just leave. Um, sometimes they overlook the fact that, you know, there are um, maybe pets and, and maybe their pets have been threatened by the, their abuser, right. uh, which is a common tactic. And so they don't want to leave their pet behind. But there are a lot of places that um, will say, absolutely not. We cannot take a pet. Um, so uh, it's fortunate that we can. Um, but once again, you know, I said there are, I'd like to, to remind um, you and, and anybody that hears this, that there are temporary foster programs for just this type of situation, uh, especially in a place like, like you know, Louisiana, the Gulf Coast, where we have hurricanes, uh, not that, um, right. you know, these type of agencies understand that sometimes you can't evacuate with your pets. Uh, and so there are, you know, I said temporary foster programs that are um, put together, either because somebody, you know, voluntarily um, surrenders their pet uh, for a temporary foster, or like I said, animals that are already just left behind and that are picked up um, by agencies like the ASPCA or zoos that, that then need um, foster homes, and then they try to find their owner while they're being fostered. Right. Uh, that's that's such an important point to bring up, too, just because a lot of people. I work with shelters in disaster response and recovery, and it's unfortunate, but it is a true, it's truly um, necessary to be able to either have a shelter that does or does not t- 
take pets for certain reasons, you know, specific reasons. Uh, not every not everybody can handle having pets around, especially like you mentioned having dogs roaming around. You can't have dogs roaming around. It, it's just it's unsanitary in some conditions, and it some people have the true phobia of you know when they see well and allergies too. Oh, and our absolutely the the allergy situation. So yeah, so it's good to know though that that there are places and that the ASPCA does work with um, with temporary situations because a lot of people think they might be afraid that if they use that resource then they are permanently um, surrendering their pet which they wouldn't be in that case correct there is temporary foster um, and uh, and so also uh, even though we're headquarters in in Jefferson Parish um, you know, I'd like to remind you that, that of course, we cover St. Charles, St. James, St. John the Baptist, um, and for, you know, uh, for sexual assault, uh, St. Tammany, St. Bernard, and Plaquemine. But um, for people who may not be in Jefferson uh, or Orleans or not, but maybe in, in areas uh, like the River Parishes, just want to remind you that, that you know, we're also the, the shelter that is responsible for those areas. And so people in those areas would be able to use us as a resource and we take pets. Awesome. Great. Well, um, I don't know. I think we've kind of done a, have done a good job of covering this, uh, you know, how Metro can help survivors with their pets. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, that's right. And um, I said, all people need to do is is uh, you know be able to describe to us their pet, and also be able to provide um, proof of like vaccination. And, and just we'll work with them to kind of, of address that because I know um, having worked with you know the shelter situation, as I mentioned, there are a lot of people, especially with cats who don't have their pets up to date on their vaccinations. So I'm sure that y'all would have a workaround with that. Yeah, and, and for that, I'm not completely positive what that would be, but we may be able to, you know, we may be able to help, you know, resident like find a way to quickly get that type of vaccination. Uh -huh. um, but that is one situation where we, we have to, you know, for the safety of our, of our other clients and staff, um, we have to be pretty firm on uh, right. with you know, sort of vaccinations, uh, at least at least at the very minimum, like rabies. Right. Uh, and, maybe and maybe so. get get you know temporary housing until they can get their vaccines, and then they can rejoin something of that sort, perhaps. Right, because even going into a temporary foster program, they're they're going to require that they be up to date, or as a as a you know, um, provision of them coming in, they would have to be brought up to date immediately. Right, right. So no matter what the situation, if they're going to be with us or whether they're going to be with the temporary foster program, they're going to need to have their animals um, current on vaccination. Right. And it's, it's important. It's just for the safety and health of everybody involved. Yeah. Absolutely, and, and we may be able to, and I said, once again, like I said, as far as workarounds, if the financial portion is the problem, I mean, we sometimes are creative in, in you know, what we can help people uh, with financially when they're coming to, to shelter with us, and I said, I can't say, um, you know, with 100% certainty, 
but I feel confident that we would probably make an attempt at least to right, you know right. help someone if that was a if that was a barrier um, you know, to, to getting their you know to getting their pet safety is to help them with that you know that that vaccination right yeah yeah because it's important mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. is there are there is there anything else that you might recommend or um, I would just recommend, like I said, if someone is thinking of um, leaving their situation, um, it's becoming more dangerous, and they think that shelter may be something they're headed towards, to um, take some time and, and, you know, maybe make a couple of calls to, like, the ASPCA or to some place like Zeus's Place or to Spaymart, somewhere like that, and ask them about their temporary foster programs so that if they do have to, use them, then they won't be scrambling for that information at the last minute while they're also juggling, you know, five other uh, balls in crisis. Right. Because it's not going to, it's never easy and your mind is never functioning, you know, straight when you're, when you're trying to get out of that situation. So if you, I guess if you have everything in your head laid out in advance, it'll make it a much easier transition. Yeah. And of course, I would also say that that you know, short of bringing your pet with you, friends or family is usually the best option. Right, I would agree with that. Just because a lot of times the pets already know these people, and so it's going to be you're you're going to feel better as the owner with, that your pet is with somebody that the pet is comfortable with. Right. Well, Mark, thank you so much for taking time out of your afternoon to talk with us and and telling about how Metro is uh, taking every step they possibly can to make life great and better for survivors. Yeah, absolutely, Kelly. Thanks for the invitation. Sure thing. Have a good weekend. You too. Bye. Bye.